Hey, Crimaholics, it's your host, Kinsey, bringing you another brand new episode for our teen dating violence segment. Teen dating violence is something that unfortunately is very common, but it is something that is not talked about enough. So over the next 30 days, it is Crimeaholic's mission to be able to shed light on this epidemic that is plaguing teenagers. When we think about dating violence, we really only often think about it happening to adults, but what we need to realize is it's happening daily to the teenagers around us. And it is something that is very prevalent. According to the CDC, nearly 1 in 11 female and approximately 1 in 15 male high school students report having experienced physical dating violence in the last year. About 1 in 9 female and 1 in 36 male high school students report having experienced sexual dating violence in the last year. Not only that, but 26% of women and 15% of men who were victims of contact sexual violence, physical violence, and are stalking by an intimate partner in their lifetime first experienced those or other forms of violence by that partner before the age of 18. The CDC also states that there are several different types of teen dating violence. There's physical violence, sexual violence, psychological aggression, and stalking. Our goal during this segment is to help bring more awareness to parents and teenagers. If you are a parent listening to this segment, I highly suggest that you let your teenagers listen with you. Listen together and discuss it. Let these teenagers listen so that way they know how to be able to protect themselves in a relationship and to be able to look out for all the signs that something is wrong. Today on this episode, you will be listening to the story of a teen dating violence survivor. She did ask to remain anonymous, so I'll be referring to her as Monica. This is the very first time that Monica has ever told her story openly, but she is doing it to help educate teenagers and parents further. I do want to give a little bit of an advisory before this episode starts. If you are not comfortable with listening to stories about domestic violence, I do not suggest listening to the following episode. Monica is real, she is raw, and she tells exactly what she experienced. story today I've been out of my abusive relationship for a little over six years now it started when I was in high school we met when I was 15 years old and I just felt that it was really important to actually speak out and which I've never done so I'm a little nervous um and just talk about this because I feel like when you hear about domestic violence it's you always think a grown woman and a grown man you never think that it's young people doing it to each other or or vice versa like girl to boy boy to girl whatever but it happens there's warning signs for sure and I'll just say for me I never really thought in the beginning that it was abuse I just thought that this person really loved me and they really cared about me and that wasn't the case um we started dating when uh we both were 15 years old we met in high school it started out as any normal relationship I'd say like gave off like a really like charismatic like sweet I love her kind of thing I think that's why for a lot of people it would have been hard to believe 
that he was an abuser because he doesn't give off the creepy abuser vibes. He's a, what I feel like, and I don't, don't know the medical terms or anything like that, but I feel like he was a closet abuser. He was not a brash abuser. So, you know, like some people are brash with it. They'll be out in public, a girl will say something, they'll smack them kind of thing. He was a closet abuser for a very mm-hmm. long time. The lust, which you thought was love, and just someone being sweet, someone caring about me, and slowly but surely it started turning into um, the early stages of abusive relationship, very manipulative, um, very controlling. He started telling me early on that people that I thought were my friends were not my friends, and that they talked bad about me behind my back. He would make issues where my parents were concerned, family, and slowly but surely he started isolating me from people and had me questioning people that I've known all my life. Because I grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, He did not. And so it was... um, it was it was rough and he really had this sense of power and control over me mentally that he was the only person that cared about me or he was the only person that loved me and as the relationship progressed i would say the mental abuse is what really got me there was a lot of different things that happened in high school you know it would start with like the pushing the pulling of the hair biting me digging his nails into my arms there was multiple times where like he would smack me in the face and I'd have bruises on like the sides of my temples. I had a bruise like right in my chest. When we went to prom, we went to prom and there was no, mind you, you're telling me all these people don't like me. They're not my friends. They're whatever. So I'm by myself. And then you tell me, oh, this girl doesn't like you. She's talking bad about you. And then I turn around and you're on the dance floor talking, laughing, chopping it up. So yes, I get upset. I get upset. He's like, oh, we're leaving. And he makes us leave. And as we're walking down the street to go back to the car, he grabs me by my hair and he's like pulling me down the street and he smacks me or whatever. And I want to go home, but obviously I have like a red mark on my face. So he's all like, no, I'm, you know, I love you. Don't go home. If you go home, I'm going to hurt myself. Like just all this crazy stuff. And so I ended up staying and got in so much trouble because I didn't go home the next day because I was scared that he was either going to do something to himself or he's going to break up with me or and I'd be alone kind of type thing and like my family didn't love me and um my brother one time and was like you know is is he hitting you is are those marks from him kind of thing and I remember like quickly on my feet thinking of different lies like one of the lies I remember blatantly telling my mom one time was oh we were wrestling or whatever and we were just playing and we accidentally head butted each other and hit heads knowing that wasn't what really happened my mom kept pressing me about it and I kept saying the same thing over and over and then once we got out of high school and we had our daughter then that's when things started to progressively get worse I would say as far as like the abuse like I can think one time we went to pizza hut to get pizza and um Either I ordered the wrong pizza or I did something or whatever. And when we were going into the Pizza Hut store to get it or whatever, he was cussing me out. And then the dude looked at me and I looked at him. And because we made eye contact, he immediately looked at me and was like, we go back out to the car because the food wasn't ready. And he starts questioning me. Do you know that guy? Do you know who he is? And I'm like, no, I don't know who he is. I don't know him. And he was like, you're an effing liar. And he's like, no, you know what? We're going to go back in there. When we go in there to get the pizza, you're going to get the pizza. So when I went up to the counter to get the pizza, he was all like, grab the fucking pizza, bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, just like demeaning me in front of this person so bad. And the guy was like looking so confused because he didn't understand what was going on. And I just remember getting in the car and I was just like holding back and fighting back these tears because whenever I would get upset or I would cry, it was almost like the abuse was worse. 
I got to write where I want her. You know what I mean? And then when he would see the next day where I would be completely shut down or I'm not, t- not talking, I'm not doing much of anything. Um, that's when he would come and be like, oh, he would never say he was sorry. He'd always blame things on me. Like, well, you made me do this. Well, you did this. That's why I did that. Or you da, da, da. I love you and I'll never do it again kind of thing. And every time he said that, it just became a repetitive cycle. You'd hit me, you'd, you know, he'd body slam me. You'd do all these harmful and hurtful things to me over nothing. Yeah. So it just became progressively worse. And I remember in school they teach you like the signs of abuse or the signs of like how abuse starts out and how it progressively Mm -hmm. gets worse like and like when I think about my story that's exactly how it went it Mm -hmm. started with just the verbal you know and the mental stuff where it's just like how do I just shout this from the rooftop when no one's really gonna believe me kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know because he's a closet abuser he doesn't no one knows what he's doing to me but me behind closed doors because he's doing it to me and no one else, you know, and not really realizing that there is a support system, mm-hmm. that there are people that you can talk to, that you can say it and some, someone will believe you, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you don't have to suffer in silence. And that's what I feel like I did for years. Mm-hmm. I suffered in silence yeah. and didn't tell anybody, didn't admit to anything because you're embarrassed. You're embarrassed. You're mentally like in shambles in a sense. Like, I didn't come from, like, a horrible childhood or, like, a split-home environment or anything too awful. Like, my parents were not perfect by any means. But I didn't go through where I didn't know right from wrong, where I didn't know what someone was doing to me wasn't right, you know, which is kind of still mind-boggling to me sometimes. Like, I knew that wasn't right, and I knew that that was not okay. And you learn about it in school, but I still allowed this person to do this to me. And it's all because of the mental Honestly, like as soon as someone taps into your mental space and they get that control over you, it's very hard to break free. It's very hard. And I can see that like with drugs or any type of other thing, once your mental is tied into something, it's until you can truly break free from it, you're tied into it for life almost is how I feel. Like he would get mad if I would hang out with anyone that wasn't him. And he would always constantly like try to throw things out there like, oh, you're cheating on me. Oh, you're doing like, I'm always doing something bad per se when I'm not with him. But, and then he's like, oh, I don't know why you're hanging out with those bitches anyways. They don't like you. They talk shit behind your back. They're trying to get with me behind your back. They're trying to, you know, so then all of a sudden I start feeling like I can't trust anybody. No, like any person that I'm looking at, like, are you really my friend? Do you really like me? Are you talking about me? Are you trying to get with my man? Like, you know, so it's hard to build true Friendships or maintain true friendships when you're constantly questioning everything, you know? So it, it made it to where I started. All I wanted to do was be around him and trusted in him. And because are you going to make fun of me? Are you going to laugh? Are you going to take me serious? Are you going to judge me? You know, are you going to believe me? Because he's this popular kid. He was extremely popular in high school, extremely popular. He's a Southern boy up in Alaska. We don't get a lot of Southern boys. So it's like, oh, he's the Southern guy. He looks good. Like everybody wanted to either be him or wanted to be with him in a sense or whatever. Because he's very popular. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't say that I was the most popular person, but I I was cool. Like I had a nice crowd of people. I knew a nice amount of people. Like I was the bubbly, sweet extrovert person you know and he took all that and pretty much like robbed me of that you know like 
of friendships of people like there's girls that I know that I talk to to this day not like on a like extremely crazy level but like we'll say hey how you doing oh my god your kids are so cute or whatever the case may be but those were people that I had true friendships but I lost out on those friendships because they didn't know what I was going through and I just cut them off and stopped dealing with them and I'm sure in their mind they're like well, F that be, you know what I mean? Like, she's just not going to be my friend no more. Oh, okay, you too good kind of thing. When really, they didn't realize that this person had isolated me from everybody. Mm-hmm. And then also, he was a street person, you know what I mean? So, like, he knew everybody. He was always hanging out. He was always going to clubs and parties and studio and this, that, and other. And I feel like he also did that to where if I don't have anyone to talk to and I'm not talking to anyone... They can't tell me what he's doing. I don't know that he's cheating on me or that he's got these girlfriends on the sides or he's treating these people all nice while you're up here abusing me over here at the house. You know what I mean? And it's just like, so as once I got out of it and I start finding out all this stuff years later, I'm like, oh my God, that is why. That is why you isolated me. Not only is that a abuser tactic, but you didn't want me to be able to communicate with anybody to know the dirty deeds that you were doing. And that's why you got so angry anytime anybody looked at me or do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you're cheating, you're doing whatever. So you feel like I could be doing it too. And then because you're just a monster person, you're raging and taking it out on me what you are doing yourself. His dad spent most of his time locked up in and out of his life in jail to this day, still in and out of prison. And to be raised by a group of women I just wouldn't foresee a male abusing a woman when you were raised by women. So I never would have thought that that was a thing. And to go through abuse at the hands of like a loved one, it it, it fucks mm-hmm. with your with everything, with everything, especially because he was so loving and caring in the beginning. That's the hardest part. That was I think the hardest part to to wrap my mind around was like he was so nice to me. He was so like, like, I don't get what I ever did to flip that switch or whatever happened to flip that switch. Or is this truly who he is? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Very early on, his mother and his sister and his grandmother and his aunt, cool people. They were sweet people, very Southern people. Like I never would have thought it ever. And it just progressed on that way but it's also I never spoke out I never said anything and I probably should have but then even when um there was one time I can think about um there was one time I could think about I was staying with him his mom and his sister and stuff and we stayed at the bottom like she had like this two-story condo so we stayed at the bottom and had our own restroom and all that stuff we just had to come up to use the kitchen or whatever and I had just got home from cosmetology school I didn't drive at this time or whatever And so I needed to go to the store for the baby. And I was like, I need to go to the store or whatever. Can you take me to the store? And he was hanging out with his guy friend. And he's like, yeah, I'll take you in a minute. And I'm like, no, I really need to go now. I don't really remember what it was that I needed so bad from the store to this day. But I needed something really bad from the store. And he's like, no, I really need to go now. And so he got mad because I was giving him attitude. So he was like cussing at me, saying his typical like hurtful stuff or whatever. We get in the car and like when I'm getting out the car, he's like, hurry up, bitch. You know, like cussing me out like telling me to hurry up and you know um rushing me in the store the whole time I'm in the store he's like behind me like rushing me like you need to hurry up you need to hurry up right now blah 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 so obviously like I'm getting angry and I'm getting frustrated because it's that's raw emotion like why are you treating me like this whatever so as soon as we got to the house I remember like 
he was trying to say something to me, so I ignored him. I just turned my hearing off and just ignored him. Like, I'm not going to listen to any more harsh things you're going to say to me about me. Whatever, I'm not responding. And because I didn't respond to him, he was like, I know you hear me talking to you or whatever. And he tries to grab me. And when I turn, he, I don't remember what all happened, but he like tried to choke me, like grab me by the neck. And I like ripped his arms down. And so he shoved me to the ground. I just remember like falling back on the ground and he's on top of me and he's got like one of my arms pinned down and he's got his other arm, like his other leg was trying to pin my other arm down. And he tried to headbutt me in the nose, like literally tried to headbutt me in the nose. And I was like, get off of me. So at this point I'm like, kind of screaming and yelling because this dude is literally slamming his face trying to well his forehead trying to pretty much break my nose is what he was trying to do but he caught me multiple times in the same spot on my forehead and his sister ends up coming down she's young at the time because she's 26 now so imagine back then she's probably like 13 14 something like that like she was not old at all and I remember her jumping on his back trying to pull him off and his homeboy comes and I'll never forget his homeboy comes down the stairs and he's literally just standing there and I'm laying on the ground and this dude done headbutting me like two or three times and I'm moving my face because he's trying to headbutt me in the nose. I know what he's trying to do and he's catching me like right here and I remember just looking over and his sister's on his back and like she's like grabbing him by the face, you know, because she's trying to get him off. And I remember looking at this guy and he's just standing there and I'm just like, and I remember feeling so humiliated and just like, devastated too at the same time like how are you another man gonna sit here and watch another man on top of a woman trying to headbutt her and break her nose and you don't intervene and this little girl that's a little person is on this dude's back trying to get him off of me so as soon as she gets him off he like come on bro come on bro gets him out of the house I remember going up I went to her room with the baby and I remember sleeping up in her room because I was scared I was scared. His mom wasn't at home. She thinks she was working or doing something or whatever. I had to go to school the next day. I literally had to go to, I don't wear a foundation. So I literally had to go to the Fred Meyer store, which is kind of like a Kroger K or whatever, to get some type of foundation. But I had a huge knot and bruise on my face. And I just remember like, I got to go to school. And I was like, well, I got to stop by the store. And he's like, yeah, you got to get something for your, for your face or something and I remember just going in there like when I think back on these memories it makes me just like ill because I used to cry not gonna lie I used to cry when I would talk about these stories or tell these stories because it's just such a saddened like um place and just to think about where I was mentally and how I would allow someone to treat me just so horrifically wrong and not see anything wrong with it and just think like oh but they love me they love me. Like, that's good enough. This person can smack me around, headbutt me, bite me, put their nails in my arm. You name it, I probably have had it happen. And it's just like, and it, and it was all okay off of a simple, like, I love you. I lied so many times to my family and even to his mom, like when she's asked before, you know, a couple times, you know, obviously the one with the sister, he couldn't deny it because the sister had saw it. So she told mom and she got on him and I thought maybe then it was going to stop. It didn't. It almost as if it intensified. It made it worse. Like, bitch, you're going to tell my mom on me? You're going to get me in trouble with my mom? You know what I mean? So it was like it ignited a whole nother storm in a sense is how I feel. I mean, I'm no doctor. I don't really know. But that's how I, I feel about it. And it just progressively, like, just got worse. Like, the abuse, you know, it went from, like I said, the simple pushing to the pulling of the hair well, obviously it starts with the cussing and belittling you and all that stuff, the verbal stuff. And then to just pushing you, you know, to pulling your hair 
to then their kicking, their punching, their body slamming, to then the ultimate price of trying to take your life and kill you. And that's where it goes to. And for me, that's the biggest thing about this today for me is just saying, if they hit you in any way, shape or form, you need to get out. Because it's only progressively going to get worse. Because how I feel about it is the second that you give them the pass where they think that they can get away with this or you're going to accept that kind of behavior, it's just going to continue to get worse. Because they feel like they can't. You've given them that ultimate passive. They can do this to me and it's okay. And that's exactly what happened. I continue to allow him to abuse me, hit me, punch me, whatever, body slam me slam my head into the wall and ultimately it almost cost me my life I um, remember very vividly the about six years ago I was at work and um, I was a bartending at the time and he there's these two guys that show up and they're sitting at the end of my bar and I've never seen these guys a day in my life in this bar ever um, it was at Hooters <laughs> and I never seen these two characters. They did not look like people that would be at this Hooters. Um, and they're sitting there and they're looking at me and they ask for a menu and then they get on the phone and while they're on the phone, they're like one of the guys on the, they're both on the phone. And the one guy's all like, uh, yeah, I'm here right now. And then he's like, uh, yeah, what's her name? And he like looks under the bar taps and he goes, oh yeah, she's right in front of me right now. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I've never seen these guys a day in my life. Like, why are they talking about me to somebody on the phone that would know me? Then all of a sudden he shows up and he shows up, him and the two guys go outside. One of the guys never comes back. The other guy comes in, gets his to go order, leaves, never see him again. He's standing at the end of the bar, staring me down the, like, I, like literally it was so uncomfortable. Like he was just literally staring at me. And my manager ends up coming out and like, you know, they talk to everybody. So they're like, hey, how's everything going? You okay? Blah, blah. I'm like, oh yeah, that's just, that's my boyfriend. And my manager comes to the side of the bar and he's all like, and I'm putting in an order and he's like, is everything okay? Do I need to call the cops? Like it was that sketchy of a vibe. Like he was just staring. He wasn't saying anything. He wasn't even talking to me. Like it was very sketchy. So as he's getting ready to go out the door, he's like, you need to call me, bro. And I'm like, um... I'm working, I'm busy, like, I cannot just call you right now, like, I'm busy. So then he starts calling my job on the work phone, and he's all like, you got your butt out with these dudes up in there, and blah, 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 like, just going off. Mind you, my butt was not out. I've been working at this store for almost a whole year at this point. Like, you know what I wear to work every day. You know what I look like. Like, what are we saying right now? I'm so confused. So he starts just going off the handle. I'm like, dude, I cannot deal with this right now. I'm focused on trying to make money. We need money. We got kids, that, kids we got to take care of. Like, I don't have time for this. So I click. He literally calls back, back to back to back. So I just keep hanging up on him. I already knew it was going to be a problem. I already knew what was going to happen when I got there. I was like, he's going to try and beat me up when I get home. Like, it just is what it is. I'm going to focus on making money. I'm going to focus on that. I'm not going to focus on the torture that I'm probably going to ensue when I go home at 12, 1 o'clock in the morning tonight. So I remember getting back to the house and I remember sitting out on the sitting out on the porch and his mom comes out or whatever and at this time I would smoke black and mouths so I'm sitting out there smoking a black and mouth and I'm talking to her and I'm like please don't go I had this eerie feeling something wasn't I just I cannot explain it the only thing that I can say is I just I felt it in my soul like something was not right and I was like please don't leave me 
don't leave me here. Like, something's not right. Something's off with him. Like, I don't know, but I don't want to be alone. She's like, okay. So she stays. And um, I probably stayed up until like probably about three in the morning. And I finally crawled into the bed and I get in the bed. And as soon as I get in the bed and I'm like laying there, I'm just laying there looking at the TV. Mind you, him and my kids were asleep. I feel someone staring at me. Like I could feel it. And I look over and his eyes are wide open all of a sudden. And he's just staring at me. And it was like the most psychotic like look I've ever seen. And he reaches over and he's like, don't you ever disrespect me like that ever again. And he grabs me and he's like digging his nails into my arm. He's twisting it as he's doing it. I'm talking about, and it hurts so bad. Mind you, up until this point, I had never hit him back. I had never fought back. I had never, and I don't know why that is. I just was too scared. Like it's going to make it worse. And this day it was just like, oh no. So I hit him. I hit him in his face, I think once or twice. And he let me go. And because I had been, I was like screaming, you're hurting me, whatever. So then his mom comes rushing in and she's all like, you guys can't be fighting over the kids. We can't be doing this. We can't. And I'm like, I'm not doing anything. I'm like, he literally grabbed me by my arm and is digging. And that's what I mean by closet abuser. You're grabbing me. You might not be punching or hitting me off the bat, but you're grabbing me and digging your nails into my skin and twisting it. And it's just like, that's painful. Whether you feel it's minimal or not, like that's painful. Like, why are you doing that to somebody? And so I told her, I was like, yeah, I hit him, but he was digging his nails into me and I'm asking him to let me go and he's not letting me go. That was a little after three something in the morning. I could not go back to sleep for whatever reason. At that point, I could not go back to sleep. Like you just did that to me. You were looking like a psychopath. Like I'm uneasy. I cannot go to sleep. So I stayed up the entire time. My daughter had to go to school that morning and she had to catch the bus. So I got up and in my mind already, I was done. Like I'm done. I cannot do this anymore. Like I've got to get out. I just had a bad feeling. So I'm on the phone with his sister outside and I'm like, Hey, do you think that at some point in time today you could come and help me take my stuff where I need to go or whatever? Because like I need out, I need out of this situation. I need, I need to go. And she's like, I got you like whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I'm like, well, and as I'm saying something to her, I realize it's time for her to, I see the thing. I'm like, Oh, it's time for her to catch the bus. So I go back in, I peek my head in and I said, hey, baby girl, it's time to go. Because I'd already got her up and all that stuff. I just had her sitting. So I didn't want her to hear my conversation. She's like, okay. I shut the door behind me. Like I push the door open and then I let the door go behind me as I turn around because I'm knowing she's coming behind me. I feel, I don't know. It was just a feeling. I feel something and I turn around and I look. And when I look over my shoulder, I see my baby girl standing there and then I look and there he is standing right behind you. Mind you, he was dead asleep. When he, did he jump up, get dressed and all that stuff? I don't know. And so I'm looking and he just had this look in his eyes. Like, I know you hear about it in TV shows. and I know you hear about it in movies. But it is true. It's almost like the soul has left the body. Like, it's not even the same person that you're looking at. And he's like, we need to talk right now. And he starts like fast walking towards me, like kind of like a fast pace. And so I'm uneasy. So I start backing up. I'm like, no, we don't need to talk about nothing. And he tries to grab me by my arm and I pull it. He tries to grab me and get by my arm and I pull back. And when I pull back, I don't know what happened, but sometimes somehow he like, it was almost like he, he moved really briskly. So I turned cause I didn't want my back to him. And so when I turned, he just grabbed me by my neck and he grabbed me by my neck. He's gotten by both hands 
and he's digging his nails into my neck. Not only is he digging his nails into my neck, but he's squeezing it so tight I can't breathe. And I remember just holding on to his arms like this, and I was like looking him in the eyes. And in the moment that I'm looking him in his eyes, I can see like there's no soul, no person. I'm like, can't like I'm trying to tell you I can't breathe. So I'm like just smacking his arms and I'm like squeezing. And girl, I just remember feeling the tears run down my face. And I'm looking at him in his eyes and I'm like, this is it. I'm about to die this way and my family's for sure gonna find out like I just remember looking him in his eyes and I remember the last thing I was thinking was like this is it this is how I'm gonna die this is how my family's gonna find out this is how everyone's gonna find out because I'm this is it like he's really about to kill me and I just remember my neck clicking back like everything goes black and I just feel my neck just like click back like that's I couldn't see it but I felt it and then I don't know what happened. I don't know if he was like, oh, like, I don't know if something clicked in his mind. Like, oh my God, did I just kill her? Or because my body just, you know, and as soon as he let go, I just remember it was like, like, I remember just everything kind of just being black and, but my eyes were, seemed like my eyes were open, but they weren't, you know what I mean? And so I remember just looking and when I saw that he let me go, I started running and I cannot describe it, but like I had no oxygen. So I don't know how I even ran the little feet that I ran, but I ran and when I ran, I hit the door. And when I hit the door, the fort, like I went shoulder first. And when I went shoulder first, um, I went right past my daughter who was standing there. I'll never forget. She was just standing there in the door. Like, shh. Just her eyes were big. She was shell shocked. She was just, I could tell she was scared. She was frightened. She was just probably like, what is going on? And I remember just hitting the door. And when I hit the door, I had nothing left. So I hit the ground. And when I hit the ground, it literally knocked the air into me. It was like, <gasps> and his mom's like, what's going on? And I'm like, he was choking me. He choked me. Like, and I'm like, just screaming, but my voice is pitching all types of things because I'm jacked up basically and um I remember um I was she comes in and he's like we need to talk we need to talk and I'm like no you know and so I go back outside go running back outside because I'm like I don't want to be in here where there's knives and there's all this different stuff so he starts chasing me down the street and as he's chasing me down the street he's got his hand in his, his you know he keeps going in his pocket so I'm like oh my god he's gonna stab me like at this point like I don't know there's nothing he ain't gonna do at this point I knew he didn't have a gun but I knew that there was other things, weapons he could have. And so I'm like running, I'm on the phone with the police and I'm like, he's chasing me. He's chasing me. And they're like, you know, like, where are you going? And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm running down the street and I'm telling him like what street I'm on. And I shit you not, girl, there were so many people I looked at that looked at me and no one helped me. Not one person helped me. Not one person was like, come into my house. Not one person was like, come here. And these are men, men and women no one helped me and garage number running and I was just running and I could hear him and when I looked back he was so close to me and I was like dude I don't have any more energy to run and I remember just like I felt him coming like and I just he grabbed me and when he grabbed me I just closed my eyes real tight because I was like this is it he's gonna fucking he's gonna shank me like this is it he's gonna stab me he's gonna whatever and just as he wrapped his arms around me I hear let her go and when I opened my eyes and looked there was like probably anywhere from three to like five cops with their guns drawn pointed at him and for the longest time I had the voicemail actually like the voicemail recording I don't know who I don't know if it was his phone that called my phone or what but it was on my voicemail for a long time um and I just ended up deleting it because I just 
didn't want to keep listening to that, you know. And they ended up arresting him, taking him to jail. And in that time, I was just like a broken down mess. Like, I felt guilty. I felt, I was embarrassed. I had to finally pick up the phone and face my worst fear and tell my family what, like, what just happened. And that I almost died today. And I want to come home. And that day, I realized, like, love isn't the only thing that's important. You know, like, I had my kids that need to know how a man should treat a woman. I have a little girl that should know how a man should treat a woman. And I have a family that loves me. And their love is way more than this one person's love. And my life is worth more than anything. And I felt like God spared me. Because in that moment, I was like, please don't take me from my kid, you know? And I feel like God answered my prayers. And in that moment, it was like a reality check. Like, you need to get out of this or you're going to die. Like, this is, there is no in between. Like, you're going to die. You know, and it, the gashes were so bad in my neck and they took pictures and stuff that they kept asking me, are you sure he didn't, he didn't have a weapon or whatever? And I was like, no, he didn't have a weapon. I had these gashes in my neck that were deep and it scabbed up and like all that, like from him digging his nails like into my neck, all while squeezing me half to death, basically. And it's only by the grace of God, you know, that I'm really still here because in that time, like I really thought like, this is it. Like I'm really about to die, like this is it. And so I broke down, called my family and I told them what happened, like I almost died today and I just want to come home and I worked for a couple days after that and then I, because I was trying to play it off because I didn't want his family to know that I was never coming back. So I only packed two suitcases because I was scared. I was terrified. Like, these are his family. This is his family. Like, what if they take my kids and just disappear? Or, you know, like, I was so paranoid in my mind at that time and everything was on the fritz that I was just like, I didn't know what to believe or trust. So I packed my two suitcases, act like I was coming back and I left everything that I ever had, worked my butt off for there his mother doesn't hold him accountable she blames me for leaving with the kids and said I was wrong for that for the way that I left because I didn't let him say a final goodbye to his kids and all this other stuff and it's like how can one woman to another woman say that you're wrong for running for your life when their child just tried to take your life in front of your grandkid to the, to, to this day I cannot wrap my mind around that and I struggle with that you know I struggle with the fact that there is kids involved and I try to leave the door open for him to have a relationship with his kids it's very hard though to have a relationship co-parent with someone who is an abuser because they don't know how to stop being an abuser you know and he's never said oh I'm sorry he's never really taken ownership his mom's not making him take ownership. I'm the bad guy. I'm the bad person. Because I left. Because I left the way that I left because I was terrified for my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I am terrified for my life. I am scared. You know? Paranoid. I'm glad I live somewhere where he can't just pop up at my front door. You know what I mean? Because he's such a basket case upstairs. And as he's gotten older, he's just only gotten worse. And no one, I feel like, in his family truly holds him accountable. And that's why. 
honestly, I don't know what to make of it or to think of it because as a parent myself, whether female or male, if I noticed that my child was doing something that was very inappropriate and that was not okay, I child, my child or not, I'm not supporting that. I'm not supporting that. I'm not enabling that type of behavior. You need help, mental help. Depending on the case and the severity, you might just need mental help. You might need to go to a mental facility. In other cases, you might need to go to jail and sit down for a little while and really get your stuff in order. And I feel like it's a lot like that. Just families enabling these young men for what reason I don't understand. You know, and I don't know if it's like a them telling lies to their family members like, oh, she's this bad person. She does this. She does that. But at the end of the day, no matter what someone does, is does not give anyone the right to put their hands on them. That's how I feel about it. I don't feel like that is okay behavior. You make me match, I'm going to slap you. You make me match, I'm going to punch you. We're having a disagreement. I'm going to cuss you out and then I'm going to beat you up. Like, no, I cheated on you. I'm going to beat you up. No, you just leave the relationship like a normal human being. If you don't want to deal with something, you don't want to put up with it, you just leave. You don't beat people up. You don't you don't treat people like trash. That's how I see it. And I just don't get why these families enable their sons and think that it's okay. You know, because it's like if that was your daughter, would you be okay? If that was your wife, would you be okay? This is my second dating violence interview that I have done. And I can tell you that both times I have been left completely speechless. And like Monica said, this is the first time she has ever openly told her story. And the amount of strength she has to be able to go through what she has and to be able to overcome the things that she has is just amazing to me. Early part of 2016 is when I met my husband and um, we have all these lovely babies, (laughs) six to be exact, Um, and we're happily married. I'm a stay-at-home mom slash I run my own daycare and all of our kids are just beautiful. They're growing. They're happy. Uh, my husband serves our country, which is an amazing selfless act in itself. And he's honestly showered me and poured so much love into me as a person. Like I get emotional a lot of times just thinking about it because I was treated so bad for so long that like when he showers me with so much love and sweetness, like it makes me feel bad but good if that makes sense like I beat myself up like how could I have ever accepted anything less than this you know but he also restored my faith in love and that you can love and that there is good people and you can trust and that there really is there really are good people out here you know and good men great men you know and my husband is one of those people. <laughs> He's a little crazy. He's a little hard to deal with sometimes. But overall, I know he means well. And I know that he loves me. And he loves our family. And like, simple, simple thing. When we're in an argument, we're in a disagreement. Me, I shut down. I don't want nothing to do with anything. I don't want to talk. This is just how I, this is how I cope. You know, like, I just don't say anything. Because when I say things, it makes things worse. That's like how I've always felt. And probably being in the type of relationship made me feel that way too so I just don't say anything I just shut down him on the other hand like he wants to talk it out and then if he can't talk it out at the time and let's say he's getting ready to leave the house he's a big advocate for always saying I love you and giving a kiss me on the other hand I'm like leave me alone don't touch me don't anything just let me be let me cope 
And over time, like, I've really just grown to understand, like, that is a big thing. That is a big thing. That's how, like, you're letting someone know no matter the ups, the downs, the angries, the whatever, like, I love you no matter what. And it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to find love, like actual real love that someone's not hurting you, you know, and calling it love. Like, that's not love. Someone, someone hitting you, belittling you, telling you basically you're trash and no one's ever going to want anything to do with you. That's not love. Love should be easy, painless, and happy. You might not always be happy all the time, but like you shouldn't be fearful to speak. You shouldn't be fearful to say how you feel. You should feel comfortable in your safe place that like you're upsetting me and I want to tell you you're upsetting me, but I don't want to have to fear that you're going to knock me in my mouth or hit me in my nose or, you know, whatever. I, I sh- you shouldn't feel that way. You shouldn't feel scared to say how you feel. You should feel safe. Grandmaholics, I know that this episode was not easy to listen to. It was hard because it's heartbreaking, it's gut-wrenching, and it was raw. There was many things that were talked about that were painful. But just think about how much strength it took her to be able to tell everything that she went through. She did this for you to be able to share it with your teenagers, to be able to protect them. She did this for you so you know what to look out for in your children. She did this to make a change. If you have teenagers and you are comfortable with them listening to this segment, I highly suggest that you do so. Sit with them, listen, and discuss it. Teen violence is something that will shape your teenager's entire life. However, if you do not feel comfortable with your teenagers listening to this segment, there are several other resources online that you can use to help educate them further. You can go online to the Love Is Not Abuse Coalition website at BreakTheCycle.org where they have lots of great information. If you are currently a teenager stuck in an abusive relationship and feel like you have no one to turn to, you can go to youth.gov and get the hotline number where you can be connected to somebody who will be able to help you with your current situation. You can call 1-866-331-9474. If you are a teenager who is currently stuck in an abusive relationship and feels like there is no way out, I am pleading with you to turn to somebody in your life for help. You are not alone. Please turn to your parents, your friends, maybe even a school counselor. If you do not feel comfortable with any of those options, please at least reach out to the Teen Dating Violence Hotline. There is somebody out there that will be able to help you. Your life matters and you are so important despite anything that your abuser has told you. Crimeaholics, if you haven't already, I highly encourage you to join our Crimeaholics podcast discussion group on Facebook or follow us on Instagram where you can get more teen dating violence information throughout the month. Crimeaholics, as always, be aware and take care.